Hi, I'm Duewa Frazier, and you're listening to episode 43 of Nerdocity Podcast. Today, my guest is Ramika Bingham Risher. She is a Kaveh Kahnem Fellow and an Afrolashian poet. Her work has been published in the New York Times, The Writer's Chronicle, New Letters, Callaloo, and Essence, among others. She is the author of three volumes of her own poetry, Conversion, winner of the Naomi Long Magic Poetry Award, What We Ask of Flesh, shortlisted for the Hurston Wright Legacy Award, and Starlight and Error, winner of the Day Editions Book Award. Ramika lives in Norfolk, Virginia with her husband and children. Her latest work is Soul Culture, Black Poets, Books, and Questions That Grew Me Up. Follow Ramika on Instagram at Ramika Writer. Thanks for listening. Doing well, thank you. How are you doing? I, I'm doing well. I mean, it's been a crazy beginning of the semester, but hanging in there, girl. Wonderful. Well, I want to congratulate you on your new work. It is a beautiful <laughs> book, thank and you. we will certainly talk about soul culture black poets <laughs> books and questions that grew me up go ahead girl i appreciate you thank you so much <laughs> so i want to ask you the beautiful graphic on the cover yeah. of the woman you know with the with the nice uh plush you know uh luxurious afro Real is pro. that is that you <laughs> is it you what a great no one has asked me that i I, I've know, been thinking it all day, like, oh, my God, is that her? That's so interesting. In my heart <laughs> of hearts, though, I have to tell you, in my heart of hearts, though, I mean, maybe it's me, but really it's kind of just an abstract representation of, like, all the things I was mm. thinking that went into this kind of growing up that we allude to in the book, right? right. I mean, that cover art, I mean, we we talked for months and months about you know, the possibility. And the only thing that I told them that I was kind of staunch on was that it has to be a black woman on the cover. Um, it certainly didn't have to be me. Right. But right. it was really important for me to have that image. And like the the designers, Carol Chu and Alex Camlin, just came up with what I think is just the perfect image, the perfect font. I mean, I really love it. I work. really love it. It's so, it just really catches the eye, the colors, you know, <laughs> the blue you. and the, the black and then yeah. the, the green. It's like, ooh, bam. Yeah. yeah. You they know did. you're going to, yeah. It's a real treat. Like, you know, books are just such jewels for us. And then, you know, to know that what's inside is even, you know, more um, uh, in inviting us you know <laughs> on the on the on the journey that you're you know you're creating so I just yeah it's a beautiful book I just want to you know you say so that much. right off I oh I thank you so much I mean really and truly it's it's a gift all these people that really you know put in time and effort on this thing they really 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 saw my dreams through so I'm just grateful wow and so, um, Ramika, your previous book is mm -hmm. Starlight and Error, mm -hmm. and that is a collection of poetry, yeah. uh, which won the, please uh, correct me, is it Diode? Oh, Diode. Diode. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Diode Editions Book Award. Yeah. Um, wonderful. And so what was it like for you um, 
coming from you are a poet like I in my mind that's how I know you as yeah. a poet yeah um and but your new work this is nonfiction. you know mm-hmm. this is beautiful essays and weaving in um your your personal memories from childhood through you know your young adulthood uh, emerging as a poet what was it like for you the space in between um your writing and creating and, and reading from starlight and error uh, in, uh, released in 2017, now to your new work, um, collection of beautiful essays released in 2022. How have you as a, a poet, a writer, a creative woman uh, changed in that space? Ooh. And what brought you from uh, poetry to uh, this genre here? So we just gonna jump right in, huh? Do it with no no breaks. We gonna You know what? I just it was on my heart. And I just you yes. know what? It, and, and let's just blame it on the spirit. I'm what going with the spirit today. Fantastic question. No one again, no one has asked me that. Um, well, you know, you're on nerdosity and right? we do things a little different here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. I I love that question. You know, it's so interesting. Um Starlight and Air was my my third book. Um, third book of poems and like you said I'm a poet to the core right mm-hmm. I never imagined that I'd be writing a memoir um, it wasn't on my radar I will say that soul culture these interviews had been in the works for a decade before um, even Starlight and Error came out so they've been I've been living with interviewing these black poets that I just really loved for a long time and eventually I thought that would turn into a collection. I would combine, you know, compile mm-hmm. all the interviews and that would be a thing. But after, uh, you know, I was working on Starlight Nair and I, um, you know, it was a book of love poems. I got married. I have step stepkids that came into the picture. We were like Adwater instant family. Uh, my house went from one to five. Oh, um, wow. I, <laughs> yeah. I started thinking about, and really, you know, my husband became a real sounding board for the kinds of things that I still wanted to do that I hadn't done yet. You know, I published my third book of poems and I said, I, I really have to get back to these interviews. It, it really matters to me that I make sure that I'm honoring my elders in the space as, as much as I can. Um, and so, you know, I thought, well, well, what's the way that we might do that? And so a shift came when I started thinking about uh, writing essays that were kind of linked to some of those writers, you know, so if I I had interviewed the brilliant Lucille Clifton and I thought, what is it about Lucille Clifton's work that arrests all of us? So, Mm. right. And for me, it was the intimacy that she wasn't afraid to tackle, especially when it came to the black woman's body there. Um, You -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yes. And so since I was now in a position where, you know, I had I had wrestled with many of my own kinds of things in life, not only, you know, thinking about career wise, but also, you know, just coming into my own understanding of myself. I was able to kind of think about that craft wise and write something that that might speak to the reason that I, you know, had fallen in love with that work. And those essays ended up being the crux of soul culture. Wow. Um, so my, you know, my idea of honoring the elders and soul culture. Now there's a line that says, honor the elders voices and honor your own. Mm. So I was trying to do both of those things. Mm. And I don't think I would have come to that unless I had already taken that journey through that third book and was looking for, you know, ways to continue to reinvent myself as a writer. Mm. Wonderful. And, you know, okay. 
and you said continue to did you say reinvent yourself yeah I love that reinvention okay so can we go back a little further okay so now I'm I'm wondering I'm 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 thinking about you um and you know you tell um you have memories um in the book where you discuss you know the books you 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 read and how you were introduced to some of these poets. Like, I believe you read uh, Quilting by Lucille Clifton mm-hmm. um, and you were introduced yes. to the work maybe before you did the interviews. Oh, yes. So can you talk about how you came to poetry, um, it, your inspirations and just, you know, what, what, is, what did a poet's um, upbringing look like? Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know what I mean? What, yeah. what, what was the child who becomes a poet what does that look like? What was that path for you? I love that. I mean, for me, it was, first of all, my mother reading to me from the time I was in the womb. Um, so words were always really important, right? I, I was, you know, I talk about this a little bit in soul culture, but I was the kind of kid that really read early on, memorized things early on. I also, you know, was just fascinated with like the etymology of words and definitions. I used to carry around a little pocket dictionary when I was a kid, right? And and for a while I was writing stories, right? Because that was kind of all I knew of what you could do with the page. Um, and I had this wonderful teacher in fifth grade, Darlene Myers, that brought in Langston Hughes's Mother to Son, right? Brought in that poem to class. and And it sounded... You know, you know, mother to son. Well, son, I'll tell you, life for me ain't been no crystal, been no crystal stair, stair, right? Come on. And, it, and Classic, you know, so, Langston Hughes. Langston is, yes. you know, he's writing, you know, in the voice of like my grandmother. So I was like, I, I know this voice. You can do that. You can kind of tell someone that they have to keep going, but do it in a voice that's familiar to you. So between Langston Hughes and me being a reader and going to the library and just voraciously devouring anything I could find. One day a librarian bought me Eloise Greenfield's Honey I Love. Mm. And that was the first book of poems I saw, but more important even than the poems inside, quite frankly. And this is interesting. It goes back to where we started with this cover image. You know, there was a little black girl on the front with big Afro puffs. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? She looks looks like me. Like, what is she doing? And inside she's writing poems about her every day. And for me, those were the sparks. Um, You know, I won a little poetry contest in the fifth grade. And at that point, I just never looked back. Poems were the way that I expressed myself. I was writing in the medium. Now, by the time I got to college, I still thought, I don't know if anybody is like, I didn't know contemporary poets. I thought, you know, just like, you know, folks think after Shakespeare, that's the end of the sonnet. I thought Langston Hughes <laughs> the was end. the end of black, right? Was right. the end of black <laughs> contemporary poets until I found people like Lucille Clifton and mm. Giovanni and Sonia Sanchez and Patricia Smith. And so once I found out um, that Tim Siebels, who was my teacher in undergrad, once I found out that this is a viable way to live my life in the world as it stands right now, mm. there was no looking back. Mm. And what you're talking about, thank you for that, is just this continuum. You know, Langston Hughes continues to speak to us. Come on. Like you're saying, you know, um, Lucille Clifton continues to speak to us. Yeah. And how wonderful you've had these people in your life. 
I mean, just yeah. the mentoring. Yes. Okay, but I'm I'm holding back on getting into that. Like I okay. want to, but I feel like <laughs> there's more that we must know, Ramika. Sure. Okay. So now, okay, so you were reading Eloise Greenfield, and mm-hmm. I know in the book, because I am like, I'm thinking about things that I read, and you talked about Mildred Taylor, and I was like, yes. no, she didn't. Yes, Mildred D. Taylor. Honey, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I was reading. I was rereading Mildred D. Taylor last year. She put wow. out another another book in the series, another book in the uh, Roll of mm. Thunder. Hear my cry series. Yes. I was like, y'all didn't tell me. Let was, the on. circle be unbroken. Come on, that's my favorite too. That's- Stop, Duewa. <laughs> I mean, I'm reading that and I'm like, no, oh. she read these books too. Oh, yes. And so much. It was so much a part of me that when yeah. I became a K to twelve teacher, I just had to, even though. I had to do, you know, there were other, my colleagues were like, the language in that book is so difficult. You're really going to have to do a lot of scaffolding oh, to unpack for the kids. I'm like, look, they, they will get it. That's right. I, you know, I mean, this is, this is their people. We're Children going back are in it. so much smarter than we give them yes, credit for they anyway. Are. Well, that's so. not sixth grade vocabulary. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't need to be. Thank you. No, you know, please. Please. But anyway, um, you know, I just was excited um, as, read, you know, reading your experience. <laughs> it's just like, okay, she, you know, she got that education. Yes. You got that, that what, what, what the children who become writer, poets and writers get. Yeah. You had that curiosity mm. and that passion and you were asking those questions. And that's what really like, you know, touched me as I was reading. Okay. So Ramika, you went to college and you went, um, you mentioned you studied uh, with Tim Siebel's. Is it Siebel's? Yeah. Or, okay. And, um, you know, you had other teachers and you also talk about Kaveh Kanem. Yes. So I know we're, I'm skipping some of your life, but I realize, you know, Kaveh Kanem has been a big part um, of your life as yeah. a fellow and yeah. you know can you talk about the impact um, you quote you mention in your book um, that you know that you all were somewhat like I think you might have said scared of your teachers um, <laughs> yeah. because they were the cream of the crop that's right that's right I mean you know Kaveh Kanem really you know I, I say in the introduction to the book that it's not a book about Kaveh Kanem, but it's a book that wouldn't exist without Kaveh Kanem. Mm. It's, it's a book that's in the wake of, um, you know, this wonderful experience I had as a fellow. And then I went back and worked as a working scholar there for a few years. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I had, I, I, I extended my stay more than, you know, some of the other fellows who got those three years. But yeah, every time we walked into you know, that summer retreat space where you're, you're going to walk in and you get to work with six or seven of the best poets in the country, uh, people that you have been reading often in isolation for years. Sure. And you step into this space and there sits before you, um, you know, Patricia Smith or Cyrus Cassells or Ed Roberson or, I mean, it, it just goes on and on. The Fakwame mm-hmm. Dawes was sitting in the room once. So in the book, I, I talk about the fact that we were particularly scared uh, to sit in the room with Erica Hunt. Oh, yeah. Another like brilliant I poet that I had. You were like, uh-oh, here comes the, wait, where are my notes? Wait, wait, wait. Just, it, it humor me for a minute. You yes. were like, hmm. yes. 
she wait where are my notes i i must because i really enjoyed reading that okay um that you all uh you called her a language poet. That's right. That's One right. who veers away from the short form narrative most of us were writing and more toward the lyric. Yeah. Yeah. But you assume that she would judge you in a certain way, but then she, right. you know, she ended up giving y'all something. Okay. I won't, I won't spill it. But I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you tell it, Ramika. Well, you can, yeah. I mean, you can definitely <laughs> say, I mean, listen, you know, I, I don't mind spoilers. I hope, I hope spoilers get people to the book. So we right. just talk about whatever, but for sure, you know, Erica Hunt was one of the first workshop leaders that I had anywhere who included praise as part of her technique, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was mm -hmm. part of her teaching. Um, and I say that because I went to Kaveh Khanum after I went to graduate school and after I had gone to other instances, you know, so mm. it, it just, you know, we're all quite frankly, finding ways just recently to reinvent what that workshop space looks like. Sure, right? sure. Um, and so, but that to me in particular, because we just thought, you know, like I'm not writing stuff that's cool enough for Erica Hunt, right? Right. Like, I'm writing my little poem, this happened and this happened, the end, right? But she is threading, you know, like collages together that, mm -hmm. you know, are just kind of blowing our minds. But what she was doing was really, and she talks about this in, in our interview and, and in that essay, Who Raised You in Soul Culture. You know, she says, I, I just was never interested in remaking myself in mm. the workshop. I wanted to make you the best person you could be. So mm. when somebody took in a poem that she thought was particularly resonant, no matter the style, you know, she would take that poem around and show it to other teachers and tell, and it really bolstered us. Mm. You know, I remember wow. talking about her practice with other poets particularly you know I, I don't name names in the book in this instance but a poet who's just passed who's very dear to us Camila Aisha Moon and mm, I we yes. used to talk about this all the time about Erica Hunt and the way she praised our work and made us feel like we were worthy of the space wow. and that is something that I now take into my practice in any workshop space yeah that's beautiful Thank you know, you. because sometimes you may take a course or a, a workshop or, or even be an MFA and, you know, you feel as though, one, I have to prove myself. Mm -hmm. I, I really need to meet the standard that this person yes. is telling me I need to meet. And, you mm -hmm. know, you go through all of that. So it's, it's wonderful that you had such an affirming um, experience and you discuss yeah. that, you know, about Kaveh Khanum as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's definitely worth 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 saying. And so, um, Ramika, so now um, how do you balance your work before we get even deeper into your book? I, mm -hmm. I just you are uh, also uh, currently uh, at a university. And how do you <laughs> balance being, um, you know, part educator and leader with with or not part, I just mean, you know, yeah. educator, leader, you know, wearing those hats, but mm -hmm. then also you're a creative, you know, you're a, a, a scholar, a, a student, a, and, yeah. you know, you interview and have done your research on, on all these wonderful poets. How do you balance those parts of yourself? Oh, that's something that I, you know, I was just, I just did a, a little IG live with my MFA students today. Such a good question because I, was just doing an IG live this afternoon with my MFA students. And we were talking about 
how you find balance, right? In the MFA, outside of the MFA, beyond it. Um, And I talk to them a lot about the fact that I'm an administrator. I'm not a tenure track professor. I I actually oversee uh, a large you know, that has saved me over time. You know, I, <laughs> I've i been in administration for, you know, the last 10 years and I still teach, you know, a class uh, every other semester for students as well because, you know, students, you know, they, they just open up the world to you. So I would really miss the classroom if I wasn't there. Plus, you can't tell other faculty how they should do things in their classroom. You don't have one of your own. They're not having it, right? They're not going to listen, right? It. Absolutely not. And as well, they shouldn't because you don't know what's going on, right? Um, and so for me, one of the things that I am now able to do after a pretty long career is build in research time. I tell people all the time, you know, I have research days on my calendar, like mm. in my box. It is, you know, if you look on my calendar, and you're looking for space for a meeting, you will see blocks of time that say research. And those are specifically for reading, writing, finishing projects. Um, and and I, I think it's a practice that all of us should engage in. If we start now putting that one hour a week on the calendar. Think about the 52 hours we'll be able to spend, you know, even if we have all of these other demands, you know, really pulling at our time. Um, And so for me, treating writing like it's not a side gig. Right. (laughs) Treating writing like it is the, you know, uh, the the fount (laughs) for me that Mm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way that I continue to be able to like balance my space and time. If I'm not reading, I'm certainly not writing, but also I don't feel fed. So I have to have time for those things. Wow. That's mm-hmm. amazing. And I, you know, I appreciate that because, um, the next question I'm going <laughs> to ask you connects to that. Like I've been asking the writers, you know, um, with the pandemic, you know, we've been dealing with that for, yeah. for a while, a few years. So when we were on lockdown, like mm-hmm. how did that uh, impact, if at all, your writing practice, your creative process, if at all, um, or what that was like for you, um, you know, with the way everything was changing for us? Oh, it absolutely did impact my practice. You know, I'm, I was locked down in the house with my husband and my um, son who was in high school. You know, we had to go completely virtual. So we're all working in different rooms of the house and trying to just figure out, you know, in addition to taking care of, you know, parents from a distance and, you know, all of those things. It was a scary time for everyone. And I will tell you, two big things happened. One, soul culture happened. This book was written mm. in its entirety. Um, during the pandemic, uh, March was when I decided we were, you know, locked down. I started having that conversation I mentioned earlier with my husband. What am I, you know, what's the next thing? And he said, right. well, you got those interviews. What are you going to do? So I, I, I really buckled down, wrote a proposal, found a wonderful agent, Larissa Mello Piankowski, um, and started moving on from there. Um, and because then it was just the interviews and these craft essays, but what people were interested in we remember what else was happening in 2020, you know, mm. living in a double pandemic. They were really oddly enough interested in like my own voice, the black interior woman's voice. There you go. So that's how all of these interviews actually morphed into essays and became a memoir. So really all of this writing, the bulk of it was done um, during the pandemic. And it was just it was a gift because it was something for me to laser focus on because I was so frazzled. And those first few weeks, 
Um, I couldn't even read, like I couldn't sit with a book of poems. I didn't have the attention span for it. I was sure. so anxious. Mm. Um, and I went back to like brilliant black women romance writers like Jasmine Guillory. She really saved my life during oh, the wow. pandemic. I'm telling you, <laughs> because I, I had to find something that I, one, I had to have some clear idea that this was going to be okay at the mm. end. There you go. <laughs> right. And that's what romance as a genre will give you. Mm-hmm. But also, I just had to have something that I could piece together and have an enjoyable narrative, a story that could get me through until I could build my way back up to different things. And so, um, you know, the reading was kind of halted for me. That's a scary, that was a scary time. But once I could get back in my reading groove and once I found my agent, it gave me something very particular to be working towards. So I didn't feel like I was standing still. So in some ways, you know, the pandemic for me as an artist ended up being a gift. I would have never imagined that to be the case early on, but it was. Wow. I love that. And, you know, because you sound like a very disciplined person. And, I try. you know, when you said you've got research days and mm-hmm. then you've got, you know, you, you, you have your administrator hat and you yep. have, you know, your family you really, you prioritize and, oh, you, yeah. you know, you made that pandemic work for you rather than you working for it, yes. you know, and, yes. <laughs> yes. you know, um, my podcast was born during the pandemic. I too was also wrestling with, you know, what can I do? What can, yeah. you know, in addition to the other stuff. And so I feel you on that. The black woman's voice is so powerful and we mm. have so many rich stories to tell. Um, and so I thank you for your uh, bravery and not only yes. telling your story in soul culture, but telling the stories of others, you know, oh. other poets. So thank you, Ramika. But this isn't the end. I just wanted to say thank you. <laughs> no, you I know. appreciate you. And, and really, like, let me just really and truthfully, let me just return the favor, because when we first started talking about doing this, I think I mentioned to you you know, these podcasts were something my, my graduate student put me on to right before the pandemic started. And so I was really searching, you know, craft talks ended, there were no conferences. Right. I couldn't find other writers to like sit with because we were all isolated. That's so right. podcasts, listening to other writers was the way that I still felt like I was in community at the time. Mm. And so that's how I stumbled upon your podcast and was like, thank goodness people are out here (laughs) doing this work because otherwise we'd be lost. There would be no way for us to communicate about craft in the space that we're in. So really, thank you. It was a gift for me. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Ramika, now that brings me to, um, you know, you've been fed this is what I'm getting from you. You are yeah. you have been fed, child, and mm-hmm. you have absorbed and studied. And this is how you're able to give us such a beautiful work with soul culture. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about these interviews and what um, knowing and meeting and having mm. uh, c- such connection with these writers. Uh, mentioning, um, uh, I, I, I took note of Honoré Fanon Jeffers. Did <laughs> yeah. I pronounce her name? Yes, you okay. got it. So I gather that you all have a close connection yeah. and a really good friendship. Yeah. Um, and then just, I love the reflection that you gave on each writer and, and like, you know, really kind of of what you took from each uh, in terms of your learning, but also what you 
recognized as what they give to all of us, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So can you talk about um, interviewing, you know, was it um, your first thought interviewing for the sake of, you know, recording what they've been doing, but then also <laughs> you have your own curiosity and, and it's almost like, I mean, I'm just on the outside looking in, but I feel as though, wow, she's getting fed. She's getting fed through these interviews in oh, addition yeah. to giving us these poets, these mm. amazing people. So it's like a twofold, you know, value here. Yeah. Um, can you talk about this experience of the interviews that you, you say took place a decade ago, but then putting the book together and just all of that coming together? Yeah, I mean, you know, this whole process, you know, this getting fed, right, started because uh, I studied with E. Ethelbert Miller in graduate school. He's one of the poets that I interview, of course. Um, And I was just, you know, in awe of all these other writers. You know, he would bring in a writer and I would just say, oh, my God. You know, I think one time I said, uh, my oh my god like uh Avan Jordan is is, is just magical oh. <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> yeah Sonia Sanchez is just magical and he this long before black girl magic he flipped it on me and he said but if they're magical how do you chart a path to magical like you mm. have to understand that these are just like living breathing folks who are doing the thing you want to do so you've got to get over this awe syndrome you've got to interview these folks and I thought that is crazy I am not going to ask, why would they say yes? First of all, they don't know me uh, mm-hmm. by any means. Um, and lo and behold, Black poets are so generous, every single one of them said yes. Wow. <laughs> when I reached out for an interview. And I'm not talking about like small interviews. These are interviews that were sometimes 20, 25 questions. Mm. Some of the interviews lasted for four to six hours with some people over days. Wow. Mm. You know, I was I was asking them about their their early childhood all the way through their creative works. You know, some of these folks are 30 books in by the time I'm asking them Indeed. questions. Right. Mm-hmm. So the real so it was like real generosity, just like heart work that they decided to to, you know, they saw the hunger in this young poet and were kind enough um, to kind of let me sit with them. And I and I told them, you know, my hope is to publish these interviews in magazines. Um, and I'm I'm really just asking about craft because I'm trying to learn myself. And so that's what I went on to do. So the more that I interviewed folks, the more that I really got to know why and how people's trajectory influenced their writing. And that was just fascinating to me. Mm. And so that was, you know, a kind of the, the thing that continued to feed me. I never thought it would be 10 poets. <laughs> you know, I, I, I always thought, well, I'll just do these three that I really love. And then another came along and then somebody else saw another interview and said, well, have you ever thought about this? So it was really just, you know, the generous spirit of others. Um, and then I just started realizing, you know, I can trace my own path through what they've taught me. And so that's wow. how it was kind of a full circle full circle deal. It's beautiful. And you mentioned craft. And that's one of the things I picked up in the book is that Mm. while you're discussing, you know, I love reading um, about the 
in the in the Sonia Sanchez chapter where you discuss you met her at Furious Flower yeah. and she had a party and just what that was like being there with her, you know, yeah. at her home. And I'm just yeah. like, wow, how amazing yeah. is that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like you're getting that, that closeness and that connection and vibe. Mm-hmm. But then there is the craft side. Um, yeah. So one of the things you mentioned um, uh, about um, you talk about Carolyn Rogers and Intozaki Shange mm. and Sanchez breaking the rules of English grammar and syntax. Ooh, yes. I thought that was so important to share. Um, you know, I've once shared a poem uh, of Intozaki Shange's with my students and the first thing they notice is, oh, you know, she's writing in lowercase. She's writing, you know, like, does this mean anything? And I'm like, yes, I'm glad you noticed this. Let's get into it. Right. You know, so tell me about um, the value of learning these different um, styles and and the history of of these poets and their styles and what what they're bringing and what it meant um, for you as a, a poet who's, you know, interviewing them and meeting them and studying their work? Oh, that, that is a great question. I mean, what's interesting is, so the way that I would conduct these interviews is I would really immerse myself in the work of the poet, starting from like kind of their most recent book that I was reading and work my way back. So when I was interviewing um, Sonia Sanchez, you know, I was really in love with her book morning haiku which is you know like these lovely it's all haiku uh, there's some sanku there's some tonka you know she's kind of moved into her formalist space much quieter poems so by the time i get all the way back to the black arts movement poems to like homecoming i'm like lord have mercy this woman is cussing people out there's <laughs> slashes she's using you know broken you know black english girl A-A-B-E, the f-bomb verb. come on I was shocked Listen, the first time I heard her say the F word. I was I, like, what? And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is how people know Sonia San- Like, this is the Sonia Sanchez. This is why she's famous. That's right. <laughs> right? You yes. know what I mean? Like, because she was really spitfire. Can I, there's one little paragraph. Can I read this little paragraph? Please, because I was going to ask That's Sonia's voice. This. Oh. <laughs> like, can we get an ex? You know, it, I didn't know if, because, you know, sometimes when a writer's book is so new and this no. being nonfiction, I didn't know if you are able to like read oh yeah absolutely it's sitting in front of me but nobody has asked that question yet like the specifics on craft and when I asked Sonia about homecoming you know I said listen um you know these are poems that you know if I took them in the classroom today I'll probably still get in trouble like you know exactly you know these are not and so this this was her this was her response to that to the kind of work that they were doing and just like really being outrageous um in in the way that they talked and trying to get young people's attention. She says, "In my book Homecoming, you see concentrated bloodletting. We had to alert people who'd not been alerted to what was going on. When I got up on the stage and said, "I'm black," people booed me because people wanted to be considered negroes with a capital N. So you had to use curse words because then you engaged people. When I use curse words, I engaged the younger people and they said, oh, stop. Look at that. Then after I got them engaged, I didn't have to curse anymore. Right. Like, so what she's doing is breaking down like what's happening. She's like, listen, 
there were young people who were putting their lives on the line in the middle of the civil rights movement and the black arts movement. And we're trying to not only alert them to history, but let them know like your voice is an important voice and the way you arrest them is this way. But I'm Yes, I mean, she told me in, as an aside in the interview too she was like well if I was writing the same book I was writing you know 30 years ago that would be a sad situation <laughs> right you know so that's why right. we talked about like the shift that happens over time you know does your house have lions she's writing these beautiful kind of long expansive elegies and like prose poems so she's doing everything but she's like you grow as a poet your mm. intention changes your audience changes and also once you get people's attention you can really do whatever you want there you go right so i mean uh those kind the of hooks yeah you gotta hook them yes <laughs> right and that reminded me as a poet you know i can do whatever i want once i get people's attention so if i decide i want to write in the voice of my aunties that's what i'm gonna do because somebody needs to hear it right if I decide, you know, I got to have an expletive in a poem, even if my mama get mad, somebody needs to hear it. Right. So it really freed me up to start understanding that nothing is off limits in poems as long as you write it well. Mm. Right? I love that. And that's yeah. making me think back to your experience with Erica Hunt, mm -hmm. her supporting mm -hmm. you to be the best you. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, let's yeah. bring your voice out. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that that's very you know uh encouraging um and so uh Ramika do you have any other parts you'd like to read or even uh poems of your own or or other excerpts sure. from the book sure and it really and truly if there's some you you in this book deep way with so if there's something that oh girl like I took to notes read. like it was you know my <laughs> li my literature review for my dissertation child Listen. I was like girl I'm about to we're going to have an interview. <laughs> I, I, listen, I, I, you like it. I love it, honey. Let me, <laughs> let me read, because we keep going back to that um, Erica Hunt essay. Let me just read a little, a little piece from that essay. So it's called Who Raised You? Um, you know, in the black community, that's a double-edged question, right? Like, it, it can have many connotations. But it's like, girl, who raised you? Why are you acting like that? Right, like, it could also... be shade or it could <laughs> generally right. be a genuine question. That's like, right. you know. Who your right. folks? Who your people? people that that's you. right. Okay. That's right. <laughs> right. So it's all about, you know, my encounter with Erica Hunt and what she taught me about, you know, of course, praise and practice, but also what she taught me about um, balance and motherhood and how I had to work through um, some of that balance myself. So I write um, a lot about my children in, in the um, essay. And in this particular moment, um, I'm scared for my son because Trayvon Martin has happened. My friend Romaine Brisbane has been killed by police in Phoenix, Arizona. So mm -hmm. um, I am writing um, a, a poem after I get a call from the principal. So I'll read that little poem and then I'll, I'll read um, just a, a little paragraph beyond it. And can you tell me what page you're on? I oh, wanna, of I course. I would love to follow along with you. I love that. I'm, I'm on 128 and 129. Okay. Great. I'm there. Thank you. Okay. So here we go. We warn our son not to run from the police. I've just, in the book, seen some boys who are darting through the neighborhood running from uh, a gas station and the police are, are chasing them. They will shoot you if you run and say they had a reason, my husband and I explain. Don't get into trouble. Don't do anything that could make you seem suspicious. 
wrecked, reckless. But his skin makes him seem troublesome in this life. When I get a call from the school about some fleeting incident, I'm racked by the unforgivable and right. Here's the poem. The principal calls and I understand I will be held accountable. Will mothers ever be anything other than tired? Will I ever be a mother other not tired? Will mother be tied to other forever? Will ever be other and mothers be never? Never tired, ever mother, always other, only never. I am ever other, ever mother, always tired, never done. Only son, only daughter, always tied to forever. I am an only daughter. I have an only son. We are ever other, one and one. Wow, that's, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. And then, you know, I wrote this little kind of paragraph to, to kind of fuse some of those things that I was thinking about um, on 133. It says, mothering is fluid practice. Poeting is fluid practice. Sometimes you are so small and the world is so big that you have to write your own history and hold on to it. In her poem, A Coronary Artist, Hunt says, one becomes an adult without knowing the details of how it was done. Every time I put pen to page, I am hoping to save myself from forgetting, maybe save others the trouble of lying about what happened later. Worry haunts me now. With age comes responsibility and the assurance that people are nothing if not hungry and misguided. I'm writing for my children's sake more than for my own, just like my mother worked the night shift for many years, mostly because I was born. Only Grace lets poetry put food on a table, fill a classroom with unexpected fervor, or make us feel as useful as our mothers in our strained, imperfect art. This work lets me take back the dead and rile the living. It's what keeps many of us from shouting every minute of the day. Mm. Wow. I love the line, I'm writing for my children's sake more mm. than for my own. Yeah. yeah. And that, that makes me think of, you know, Trayvon Martin and Re- Remain, did you say Remain yeah. Bris- Brisbane? Brisbane, yep. Brisbane. Remain Brisbane. Yeah. You know, and all of um, these unfortunate cases uh, and, uh, of brutality. It's just yeah. been crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I talk about in the essay that, you know, really, really kind of uh, works its way to Romaine. And it's all about Patricia Smith. It's called Standing in the Shadows of Love. Um, you know, because we, me and Patricia Smith can't get together without talking about Motown. And so <laughs> and you, you did, you did call, uh, uh, quote a uh, Motown crown of sonnets. Yes, yes, yes. I wrote yes. that. I was like, oh, that's 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 insane. Patricia's Motown crown is insane. If you haven't seen it, please go find it. My goodness. But <laughs> okay. but she, I mean, really, you know, we we were talking about music and you know all the things that um, you know bring us together in every Soul Train line. But 
what we really got to was the fact that sometimes you have an incident in your life. Sometimes it's an incident of violence. Sometimes it's, you know, a, a really harried mistake that makes you restart. You have to start your life over in many ways. You have to rebuild. And that's certainly what's happening with a lot of these martyr mothers who are losing their children. That's what happened with Patricia Smith when she lost her father and then when she had to step down as a, as a journalist and, and mm. started her life as a poet. Um, in many ways, I felt like that's, you know, what was happening to me as I got married and had to learn how to be a mother. Um, but also after losing a dear friend while I was still trying to figure out how to mm. raise, you know, a black son in America. So it was, you know, it was a, it was a scary time. But the words, you know, like trying to wrestle with those questions and make sense of them. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps me going to the page that's the only thing that poetry does for me is it helps me wrestle with questions it doesn't even give me many answers right wow. but it helps me it helps me clearly articulate the questions I have about the world and and for that I'm grateful it's beautiful yeah mm. and there's that part in the, the title of your book questions that grew me up yeah yeah mm. mm -hmm. I love it Okay, um, Ramika, uh, now can you please tell us, and that was so rich, by the way, the discussion <laughs> there, um, the, the reading that you gave us, um, wow, okay. Oh, please, those questions, honey, you came not to play. That's what I love. Girl. <laughs> and the book just came I'm... out last week, so you know, I still haven't really talked to many people who've gotten to read it. I know you had notes, honey. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I well look. It, you are on your tour. One thing I can yes. say, you you on your social media game. Listen, post. Ooh, you got a. I, I think you have something going on tomorrow, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I'm I like, do. I have a reading, an in person reading with Tim Siebel. Oh Tim gosh, Siebel. that is Last so crazy. Last book. We're gonna do it. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I hope that you all will will record that because that's one for definitely for the books. I hope so. We're gonna try. We're trying to record almost everything on the. You know, I have one one um, deal with Ethelbert. So everything that I do with one of the poets that's in the book, we try, we're trying to make sure that it, it's, it's saved for posterity too. And you know what? I wanted to say to you, I'm glad you mentioned that as well, um, because the way the book, uh, because you have, you know, the really nice black and white photos of the poets yeah, yeah. and the book for me is so conversational in that you're having a conversation with the reader about mm. your life. You're growing as a writer, as a poet. Yeah. Uh, and then you're having conversations with the, the poets themselves. And it makes me think of this as a documentary. Oh, that makes me happy. So, you, you know, do you know what I'm saying? I was about to say, we just got to find the right people to, able there you go. <laughs> to make that happen. I mean, I but see I really it. am thinking about ways, you know, I was, I was thinking about what, what are ways that we can get multiple poets uh, of the poets that are here in a room, you know, just, just so we can like have a conversation, you know, it, pick any three of the 10 One at any given another, moment, you know, and Natasha then, you know, you, right, news. come on, uh, you know, come on, Forrest Hamer there, that's right, let's do it, yeah, that's the uh, dream, um, so I'm gonna try to find a way to make that happen, to at least do a panel or, you know, of soul culture poets. I would love that. Beautiful. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll definitely, you know, I'll retweet that. I'll repost yes. that. Yes. You know? Thank you. Yes, man. <laughs> yes, man. Um, and so, uh, Ramika, we're getting to one of my favorite questions, which is, what do you have coming up next? <laughs> Other than your, your, your wonderful event tomorrow with Tim yeah. Siebel's. 
<laughs> well, next, next on the writing front is, you know, back, back to the, back to the real thing. So I have a book of poems that, you know, is done and is about to be shopped around. Um, it's called Room Swept Home. I've been working on it for, you know, again, in seven, eight years, probably, but thinking about it for a lifetime. It's about two of my grandmothers mm-hmm. and how oddly, even though they're from different sides of my family tree, one paternal, one maternal, they crossed paths in Petersburg in 1941. What? Um, so uh, listen, listen. What? Okay, so now we got to break it down. Did they know each other? Absolutely oh, not. On. Absolutely not. Listen, oh, it, it, gets, it gets even better. So uh, my, my uh, paternal great, great, great grandmother, many folks, is interviewed for the WPA ex-slave narratives in mm. 1937, where she lives in Petersburg. Okay. My maternal grandmother at 18 uh, is diagnosed with water on the brain and is sent to the Central Asylum for the Lunatic Insane, a Negro insane asylum that's in Petersburg. And they're within three miles of each other. What? Right? Of course, not knowing, you know, that they're eventually going to, you know, make up the stretch drain of folks who makes up me. But right. that, as a poet, <laughs> it was just too much for me to bear. I was like, wait a Child, minute, that's wait too a minute, much wait for a me, minute. And I right? don't even know them. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, and then once I started digging into their stories, of course, it gives me all of this information about what the real you know black womanist kind of feminist struggle has been throughout the country from you know the 1850s all the way up through present day so I trace their lineages and I talk about their lives and then there's a whole suite of sonnets talk about you know back to that crown of sonnets there's a whole suite of sonnets called the lose your mother sonnets that that really wrestles with you know how I came to their story and how you know they birthed me in many ways so it's listen honey so that's the next book room swept home is the next book of poems and you know when it's actually somewhere I'll, I'll absolutely let you know Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, please tell us, Ramika, how we can uh, follow you, how your audience can generally connect with you and, and find more about your, your work and your events. Oh, the best way to do it is on um, Instagram or Twitter. My handle is at Ramika Writer, R-E-M-I-C-A-W-R-I-T-E-R, at Ramika Writer. Um, I, I'm still, you know, fairly new to, to Twitter. So come, come over there, tweet at me. I'll talk to anybody because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just getting, I love that. Cake. Come so tweet, so much come, come tweet, tweet at me. Come it was hang. like you were saying, come holla at me. Yeah, really. You know, <laughs> come, come tweet me. Yeah. So that's, that's the easiest way. And my website is there. It's just RamikaBinghamRisher.com. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Ramika, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful treat, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I look forward to um, continuing to follow you in your work and support what you're doing. And, you know, I wish you the best of success for your new book, <laughs> Soul Thank Culture. You so much. And you were just listening to episode 43 of Nerdocity Podcast featuring my guest, Ramika Bingham Risher. I hope you'll pick up her new book, Soul Culture, Black Poets, Books, and Questions That Grew Me Up. Visit Ramika's website at RamikaBinghamRisher.com and also follow her on Instagram and Twitter. Tweet me, Nerdocity Podcast, on Twitter at NerdocityPod1. 
and let me know your thoughts on this episode. You can also follow Nerdocity on Instagram at Nerdocity Podcast, N-E-R-D-A-C-I-T-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Visit and like our Facebook page, Nerdocity with Duewa. Thanks so much for listening and hope you'll also visit my author website at duewafraser.com and follow me on Instagram at Dr. Duewa Writes. Thanks for listening. Take care.